Blog Talk Radio. Hello?
events that the Mayans were predicting were actually going to happen in what, 2013, not 2012? Well, Frank, the, what, the, the actual prediction of uh, a huge, huge solar flare uh, that is purportedly going to impact the, the Earth uh, pretty, pretty, pretty severely is, uh, is in 2013. But um, it's not going to not, – not in the way that the seas will boil and we're all going to just spontaneously combust, more in the lines of all of our satellites are in danger of being knocked out. And that in, in some ways are even more catastrophic than actual physical destruction when you, when you really stop to think about it. So, well, if we have, though – but with, if the Mayan prediction is correct, and I know what I'm about to say isn't necessarily tied into the Mayan prediction – but yet, uh, Charles, I think Hapgood, um, one of the forefront you know, leaders in these predictions of what's going to happen in 2012, um, had, uh, talks a lot about um, the, uh, the um, uh, polar reversal. And if that happens, all the, you know, all the satellites and everything are going to come crashing down. Well, why, because for a certain period of time, from what I understand, for a certain period of time, that screws up the the gravity and all this other kind of stuff, and that's part of the prediction that when that happens, um, everything's going to start fl- falling from the sky. Well, wait a minute—is it going to fall to Earth? I mean, yeah, we think of all this stuff being in the sky, but where is it really? It's it's in the universe. It might fall, but it's not going to fall on us, and aren't we going to fall too? Well, yeah, we're going to be crushed. Why did it all fall our way? I don't get it. <laughs> because it's our 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 Earth. You know, I mean, our Earth that is going to have this polar reversal. And apparently, you know, with the poles and whatnot, it does affect our gravity. And when the gravity, you know, whatever the gravity, you know, um, uh, um, system is somehow must affect, you know, our skies and things outside of our, um, our, you know, atmosphere. I mean, it has to in some way, shape, or form, because a lot of the books talking about what's going to happen in 2012 talk about satellites and, you know, all these things um, circling the Earth right now coming crashing down. So it has nowhere else to go because it's our Earth that's having the changes. And we have so many satellites. Yeah. But, Frank, what you were referencing, is that I had read something about, um, you know, two weeks ago or so that was talking about something hitting something, you know, and knocking out all the satellites. Was that what you were referencing, the news story from a couple weeks ago? Um, I'm sorry, news story from a couple weeks ago? uh, You know, talking about, um, you know, something knocking out, you know, all the satellites and stuff like that. I mean, were you – is that what you were referencing? Or are you uh, referencing some other – there was a news story. There was something similar we were talking about on uh, on the Invisible World. You're right. Um, no, this is just a. I mean, this is for a while a uh, prediction that there's a, a huge solar flare uh, oh. for years now. Uh, that that is going to. It is going to happen in 2013. Who knows is what's going. What is what, what really is, is is going to come of it? But it doesn't really have anything to do with the pole shift or anything like that. I mean. I mean something no, that's different, as what right. describing. I mean it's it's still it's still hypoth- it's still just conjecture, but still there has been rapid shifts like that uh, in in other in other planets. Most of the time when we talk about pole shifts, it's in, it's in places other than other than here. Uh, I mean, our actual tilt has changed uh, quite a bit, I guess, relative to the 
been accessing whatsoever of, of our of our planet. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I can't say well, that I'm 100 percent sold on the pole shift uh, hypothesis. But, yeah. Well, see, I am because you know they we're way overdue for one, just like we're way overdue for an ice age, and I kind of feel one is going to bring in the other. Meaning, the po- I feel the polar reversal is going to end up uh, ushering in the ice age. Wait a minute, I heard just the reverse, that we're emerging from a mini ice age. No, but we're not. That's what... We're not? No, that's what all the... That's what they say because everything's tied into global warming and all this other kind of stuff, and that's what they lead you to believe. But in reality, our climate goes through, you know, a cycle, and we're in a cycle now. What happens is it does the... It warms up, and then the glaciers melt, and then you know, that causes something else to happen, which ultimately ushers in a new ice age. Okay, but I think, are we going to be out of this, out of the way of it by the time it comes? Well, <laughs> according to um, this this Charles Hapgood, um, he basically says that, you know, it, it literally, in the snap of a finger, we're going to be under, um, you know, like, Miles and miles of ice. I mean, it's wait a minute. They told you you were coming back to work, back to Earth, but not for long. But not for long. Cause you know, <laughs> so, okay, I mean, I, I think this ice age, we will be safely out of the way, unless either that or we'll just all have to buy sleds and ice skates and skis. Well, uh, but yeah, Nothing I mean, simple. you know, who knows? I, I, this is all conjecture, and we don't really know for sure. So time will tell. But part of there's so many different theories out there of what could happen the last time i know where i am was like in the the southern part of the glaciers and stuff like that you know up here in the poconos so i don't know and i don't really we i don't know that that we know if it's a sudden thing or not you know if it just happens overnight or if it's a gradual thing i think the scientists tell us all this stuff is gradual and it's going to happen over several hundred years but what all the pseudo scientists are saying and some of them are truly scientists that just have a different you know, um, perspective of things, um, tell a whole different story. Well, didn't like the tsunami knock the earth off its axis so that uh, the temperature changes would vary a little bit? I mean, if something like that could knock it off its axis, imagine uh, the satellites falling. Yeah, well, that, that, because there's probably, you know, I don't know how many satellites are out there, but there's probably, you know, hundreds out there, and so, if they come crashing down, I mean, we're going to be in very sorrowful shape, really. So what was it, like 20, 23 years ago we worried about, or 33 years ago now, we worried about Skylab falling, and now we're going to worry about all the satellites? Well, hopefully that's not going to be an accurate prediction. I'm actually going to look up what 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 exactly it was that I had heard, because when I'm saying it, it does seem weird that something that's happening on Earth is going to affect what's happening out in the skies, because once you go past a certain point, it's not affected by gravity. But I don't know. That's that's what they say. And they have their own gravity. You know, we are not the center of even our universe. The sun I know. is the center. I know. So I, I don't like know. like a very egocentric person who made that up, thinking that we're <laughs> everything that's <laughs> around us. I know. Well, well. Aside from all that, have what did you guys think of the three million dollar wedding, Chelsea Clinton's wedding? Did anybody see any pictures or anything? I did not. I did not. No. I actually saw her wedding gown. I thought the jeweled belt that she was wearing was absolutely gorgeous. 
Well, it was Vera Wang, wasn't it? They yes. Kept it yeah. Pretty simple and classy, and uh, oh yeah, I mean she's she's beautiful. She's grown into a beautiful woman. I have to say that, with or without that gown, you know. No, she is, and it was funny. I saw, it on, I think it was on Yahoo or something. They had pictures of her when she was a kid, you know, and then as an adult, and she really did. I mean, she grew up to be, you know, beautiful and classy and. Um, you could see the the absolute gleefulness. I mean, the joy, you know, in her face throughout the whole ceremony. I mean, it was really beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I didn't yeah. tell you that I was a guest, did I? Oops, I guess I'm not supposed to say that. Oh, I thought you were. I was invited, you know, but uh, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> well, what did what did what did Obama say about that? One president was enough, but two presidents would be too much. So that's why they didn't invite him. Oh, I didn't even hear that. Yeah, he said that. Well, I guess he missed a fun day. But did anybody hear that that was not the biggest wedding that occurred on on this past weekend? No, there was a bigger wedding? Yes, down in Lakewood, New Jersey. There were 650 people attended a four-day Indian wedding. Um, And apparently the bride, you know, changed her gown like five times, and it was, you know, a tremendous wedding. And I know that there's last you know, all those days. The one thing I'm not sure of, like, is did they take any breaks or did they go 24, you know, 24 hours straight? It, you know, go a full day and then another full day, or do they take a break? I think she they went on until, like, 4 in the morning, and then um, she she changed outfits several times, but then it ended. Everybody went to sleep and in 4 or 5 a.m., that, that's what I heard. I'm not sure, though. And then, you know, they continued their own parties the next day. Talk about egocentric. That sounds egocentric to me. And I know that's not Indian tradition. Oh, it but... isn't? I thought it was. No, 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 I mean to be egocentric. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, they're... <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> they're, you know, spiritual and, and usually the opposite. But right. to... <laughs> that, that, to celebrate that, your own wedding for four <laughs> days, and and everyone else has to had to do that with you. It sounds a little a uh, little extreme to me. Yeah, I mean it really is. I mean somehow that's their tradition because I've heard that you know obviously before, but I never really knew if they ever take a break. Right, I have no idea. That'd be interesting to find out. Yeah, I know that they push the limits on themselves, so maybe they don't. I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine going four or five days straight. But I mean, even their um, their their wedding cake was like you know I don't know if it was four or five or six tier. I don't remember, but it was a brown wedding cake. It was so different. I guess that's right. traditional for Indian weddings. It, it is actually uh, traditional for uh, for Indian weddings. Uh, you usually have almost a thousand people at them and go on for days and days. So I mean, it's wow. actually just sort of uh, par for the course that that happened. It's like, I mean, it's a cute story to be like, hey, yeah, Chelsea, you got this. Well, check this out. So, uh, <laughs> but if a lot of people but, uh, get married in the tribe, yeah. they, you know, they, they must really party it up. <laughs> well, they must, I mean, for all those days. I mean, I can't imagine yeah. that they can go strong on the fourth or fifth day without some rest somewhere. Mm, I'm sure there's sleep in between stuff. somewhere. Yeah, I mean, they kind of. Ha- I would guess they kind of have to, but well, maybe next time some somebody will invite all us to their wedding, and we'll know firsthand. <laughs> uh, anyway, we have a great show coming on tonight, so uh, phone lines are open. 
Please call 646-381-4141 to speak with Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo. They're here to answer all of your questions, so call 646-381-4141 to get expert advice on all that troubles you. And remember, if you don't get on the air tonight, please send us your question at mailbag at ladyfontaine.com. Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo will be selecting a few questions each week to answer live on each show. Tonight, Omar Henry is with us, and he will be taking some of your questions as well. So give us a call to speak with Lady Fontaine, Dr. Cirillo, and boxing great Omar Henry. And now it's time for our Sky McKenna Skywatch Report. Remember to visit Sky at her website at skymckenna.com for more details about her or to read the weekly report on her website. Hello, everybody. This is Sky McKenna with my weekly Skywatch Energy Report. This is a review of the energies for the upcoming week, and if you miss any of this, you can re-listen each week in the archives on AchieveRadio.com, or you can go to my new website, skymckenna.com, and click the link near the top of the page. You can also read the energy report on my new blog. There's a link at the top of my website for that, too. So, we've got the wind in our backs. We're still holding on to our hats. Here's the week ahead in eight minutes or less. And this, then, is for the week beginning Sunday, August 1st, 2010. This week, we're truly in the midst of what many astrologers are calling the Grand Cardinal Climax, or the Grand Cardinal Cross, which uses the position of that last lunar eclipse we had in June as one of the legs of the cross. That eclipse energy will be with us for about six months. No matter what the name, the swirling energies of Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Pluto have been building to one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful, astrological energy patterns of our lifetimes. And at its core is the need for us to release absolutely everything that no longer serves us and open ourselves to a bright new future. And this weekend, the skies may be more than just a little tempestuous. We've got a lot of challenging energies in the heavens that actually reach what may be a defining moment in our lives. We are coming to that crest in the cardinal T-square formation that's been building over these past few months. Mars is one of the big players this weekend, finally getting into the Cardinal Players lineup, and he nearly always acts as a trigger, and Venus will also get into the act later this week, rubbing elbows with those Cardinal boys. And as Mars moves into Libra, he joins with Saturn and faces off with Jupiter, and the whole gang is challenged by a 90-degree square aspect from compulsive Pluto. Fireworks could be in store, but on the plus side, used constructively, we're also being offered tremendous power and energy to get huge amounts accomplished. And we may also feel a great pressure to act, but we should consider our options carefully because the implications of whatever this transit triggers in our lives is going to be substantial. So great care may be needed if we feel a compulsive urge to take action just for the sake of taking action. This energy may also bring us people or ourselves who are especially irritable, worried, maybe a little unstable. All in all, this is a period of change and most people will be feeling it. And if you have planets or your ascendant or midheaven or sensitive points are in early cardinal signs, and that's Aries, Cancer, Libra, or Capricorn, or the middle of any of the fixed signs of Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, or Aquarius. It means that you're especially affected by these transits. Tremendous energies of change and challenge are rolling around us now, and because of them, we're also being offered enormous opportunities for growth and exciting new beginnings. There's no better time to listen to our deepest intuition because we already know what needs to be done and what choices need to be made. The writing has been appearing on the wall for quite a while now, and our souls have seen it. 
The key here will be to have the intention that any release that happens, happens with grace and ease for all involved. Now on Saturday, July 31st, the week takes off with Mars having moved into Libra and now joins Saturn. We may feel like we're going nowhere fast and at a breakneck speed. This is also one of the most powerful aspects of the week that can actually help us dig deep and take care of some serious business. And this is another day when we may feel pressure to take action, and like right now, but it's still essential that we consider all the ramifications very carefully and not give in to the urge to act just for the sake of acting. If the need and or opportunity arises to take action, do it. But no, there's no need to rush headlong into action. Take a breath and look carefully first. And this energy spills over through the weekend and up to Tuesday, August 3rd, when Mars faces off with Jupiter and locks horns with Pluto. This is a powerful force that's with us through the middle of September, and this day holds some of the most volatile energy that we've experienced and that we'll be experiencing for some time. This same aspect also occurred on July 24th, before Jupiter turned retrograde, so we may have to or be asked or forced to rethink and redefine our choices all over again. So today, and actually for the entire week, we'll also want to be on alert for aggression and or an inability or unwillingness of others to play nice. This is just the flavor of the day and actually for several days. So we'll do well to postpone any major projects, contracts, or new endeavors that we want to launch until next week if we can. But while this can be a volatile combination of energies that generate enormous stress and conflict, that very same energy can also motivate us to go beyond any seeming limitations and can also be the force that finally catapults us into a new or out of an old situation. Then on Friday, August 6th, Venus enters her home sign of Libra. She's there until September 8th. And we should take advantage of this period to connect with all those we love and cherish. Beauty and love will come to the fore naturally, and we'll have an opportunity to celebrate those things that we find beautiful in our lives. But not before we get past her initial difficult aspects as she enters Libra. Because on Saturday and Sunday, August 7th and 8th, just as Venus begins her Libra journey, she forcefully lines up with Saturn, faces off with Uranus, and gets ready to square off with Jupiter and Pluto. Oh my. So before she settles into her graceful journey through her beloved Libra, we may be confronted to make changes in important relationships, both personal and business. All things dear to us may be even a little more unpredictable or unstable for these few days. So we need to stay as flexible and as balanced as we can and follow our intuitive flashes, which will be there. Now this week, I want to talk about how and where each sign is going to be feeling the energy of Mars. And as always, this will apply to your sun sign and rising ascendant sign, if you know it. Aries, your partnerships of all kinds may pose some challenges for you now. Take a deep breath if you have to, and don't throw the baby out with the bathwater if you find some horns locking. Taurus, health, daily routines, and the details of life may get you physically moving with new energy, though you may find it difficult to find the end of the ball of yarn for a few days, but you can do it. Gemini, love and romance may beckon, but may also be confusing for a week or two, and you can also have major energy in pursuing any creative tasks in fiery new ways. Cancer, you may find family and private life get a bit frustrating or just plain energized. There's lots of movement for you at home, and you can tackle some really big projects, too. Leo, look for communications to step up or get confusing or both, and don't let arguments get out of control in any volatile relationships. It's just not worth it. Virgo, finances and income could increase dramatically, but take care not to overspend or buy on impulse. And don't let money-related arguments get out of hand, either. Libra, you can be feeling bold and confident. Just be mindful to be assertive and not aggressive. You can go boldly where you've always been wanting to go. Just look first. 
Scorpio, pay attention to your dreams and psychic awareness now and expect some surprising news or a secret to be revealed. Things long forgotten may surface for resolution too. Sagittarius, friends and associations can open doors for you in sudden, forceful, or surprising ways. Capricorn, you can find a change in your financial situation may be opening now. Let go of old, outdated expectations and allow new income opportunities to surface. Aquarius, expansion, learning, or education can take center stage now and any legal matters hanging fire may also need to be dealt with. Pisces, shared resources can be emphasized now, and an adjustment or a dissolution of a partnership may also occur. Well, that's a wrap for this week's edition of the Skywatch Energy Report. And remember, if you miss any of this, you can re-listen each week in the archives or visit my website, skymckenna.com, and the link is right there at the top of the page. And you'll also find a link to my new blog if you'd like to read the Energy Report. And remember, the animals still need your help. You can feed a homeless animal with just the click of the mouse. It's absolutely, positively, no questions asked free. In 2009, your clicks equaled 92 million bowls of food for homeless animals. So just go to theanimalrescuesite.com and click on the purple button that says, click here, it's free. Well, that's about it for this week. And remember, you never lose by loving. You always lose by holding back. So till next time, take good care, God bless, and namaste. Thank you, Sky McKenna, for this amazing report. You can contact Sky for a reading or to listen or read the same report on her website at skymckenna.com um, or contact her or visit her website for additional information. She has a weekly radio show on Achieve Radio. Um, uh, I believe it's at 11 a.m. Pacific time, so check out her website at skymckenna.com for more details. And just a reminder, our call-in number is 646-381-4141. And also don't forget that Lady Fontaine is also available for reading and coaching. Just go to ladyfontaine.com to contact her and find out more about these. And also as a reminder, at uh, August 1st, listeners should check out lowlights.com for her monthly column called Psychic Scopes. So, ladies, are you ready for the mailbag question of the day? Yes. Oh, I want to hear yes from Jean. Jean, yes. are you ready? Yes. All right. Uh-oh. Is this is going to be one for me, I guess I can tell. Frank, even so, I'm ready. Oh, gee, jump in here. It's good. This is a big party for everyone. Dear Lady Fontaine <laughs> and Dr. Cirillo and Julie, my name is Arlene. I am a 31-year-old woman with a huge crush on my boss, a divorced man of 39, name withheld, but it was given to Lady Fontaine. I get mixed signals from him. He often calls me into his office and closes the door, and we just talk. He certainly seems interested in me, but he has made references to concerns he has with sexual harassment issues and office protocol slash appearances. I did read our employee manual in this, and there is nothing specifically stated in our employee manual against fraternization between employees and managers. Just this week, he brought me flowers. He's given me stuffed animals and other small tokens. I often stop at Starbucks and bring him his favorite coffee and pastry. Sometimes he seems to be getting very personal with me, but that's as far as it goes. The only intimate physical contact we have is the occasional pat on the back, arm, or hand, 
We often stare at each other until one of us looks away. We joke a great deal and have ha- and have many things in common. How can I get this to progress, or am I reading more into it than is there? Should I give up since he's my boss? I really think we could have an even closer bond if he would be brave enough to ask me out. What do you recommend? Sincerely, Arlene. Well, I'm going to divert to Dr. Cirillo for her um, opinion on this, and then I will give Arlene my psychic opinion on, on it. Dr. Cirillo? Well, the first uh, thing that the first thought that comes to me is, do you need the job? And if you need the job, you don't want to risk the job. It's like saying, don't risk a friendship by becoming intimate, because then you don't have a friend. My sense is he's got all the power, and if things don't work out, especially with him being married, his impulse will be not to want to have this woman around, and she'll be without a job. Oh, he's That's divorced. He's divorced. Oh, I thought she said he was a married uh, man. No, he's a divorced yeah, man. Yeah, divorced. If I might jump in, I think the perfect uh, solution to this would just be simply to email him a link to I Am the Future, starring Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo, so he can hear for himself how he <laughs> feels about him in an entirely See, right. way. Right, and see, I feel that um, that there is an attraction going on there, but I feel he's not going to take it anywhere um, if they're working together. I mean, her better chance at developing this into something else is to get another job. So we're both saying the same thing, only Lady is putting a, a positive spin on it, and I'm putting a negative spin on it. But either way, it has to be the him or the job. Yes, right. Uh, I mean, knowing that he's divorced, do you have any different take on it? I mean, to me, it was very, forget even my psychic impression on it, because actually I feel a lot of chemistry between the two of them, and I actually feel an interest that he has in the, I really, really do, a sincere interest and a sincere desire. But even just hearing, you know, that, that he makes references to sexual harassment issues and office protocol and appearances, he's not going to cross that line as long as she's working there. But he did say she did say in the letter that he bought her flowers. I know, and which is crossing the line. I mean, isn't, isn't that, that kind of right? The line? That's what I would think. It's crossing the line. I See, agree. I, so I, I agree. Though, you buy everybody flowers, but if it's just one person, that should be. Yeah, yeah, probably. I, I agree that that is crossing the line. However, there is also this sort, and any, any of you worked in office environments, you've probably seen this. There is this sort of like safety net partner that you have in the office sometimes. That I see a lot of like the lawyers that I I used to work at a law firm, where they would have one person they were really close with, and they would bring coffee to and flowers to, but there was a certain line that they would never cross. And sometimes these people would be married, sometimes they'd be in relationships, and sometimes they would be single, but they would just never do this because this is the person that they see every day and they spend more time with than anyone else that they actually have a relationship most likely. Uh, and I'm not to say uh, to to the, the woman who wrote us, uh, please don't don't think that I'm saying, Arlene, that this is the case, but it is something that is not uncommon. So it's it's unfortunately might be incidentally leading you on to a place where he will be making you more and more interested, but maybe never really pull the trigger. Maybe he's waiting for her to make the first move because then it won't be seen as sexual harassment on his part. 
Yeah, but from a psychic perspective, I'm feeling that he would find that um, fun and interesting, but I don't feel that would propel it to where she wants it to go. I'm honestly feeling as long as they work together, um, for this particular gentleman, it's it, it it has no potential of going beyond this this flirting and this you know just playing with each other kind of like you know from afar. Um, I just don't feel the potential for it to go any further. You know what Frank was saying. Um, I especially have seen that kind of um, behavior where you know you somebody at work brings flowers or little gifts or tokens of appreciation or something especially you know if if a boss has a fabulous secretary or assistant or something like that um you know when it when it sort of goes outside of that i kind of think it it sort of crosses other lines as well don't you think so dr cirillo yeah, I, I definitely does cross other lines, but the fact is you tend to get attracted to people you see every day. That There's much greater chance even that you'll marry the person next door than the person down the hall. So if you work with somebody all the time, it's, it's likely uh, that there'll be an attraction. I mean, you know, I used to work my first job in a drugstore, and the guy who owned the store, he married the pharmacist, and they she kept marrying. He just had to have an extra ticket one day for a baseball game when they went on their first date, and she kept working there, and then at some point, they were known as dating. I guess the, the downside would have been if it didn't work out, she would have had to get another job. Right, and that is always the downside, um, you know, in any uh, office romance kind of situation, especially if it's your boss. I mean, you know, unfortunately, that is a downside. It would be interesting Does he own to the know. company? Uh, we, she didn't say. Okay, because if he owns the company, yeah. If, if he doesn't own the company, I think it's safer because then, you know, he can't really fire her because they dated and it didn't work out. He might even have to get another job. And she might get his job. Mm. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> oh, oh, but then, of course, you know, if that happens, she's going to get his job and then she's going to really like her new secretary Keith and be really nice to him but not really interested but maybe buy him tickets to the game once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got it. That's the way well, it works. To everybody at home our phone lines phone lines are open, six four six three eight one four one four one. That's six four six three eight one four one four one. Give a call in right now. You get expert advice from Lady Fontaine and Doctor Cirillo. They're here to answer your questions. Ladies, you're ready for another letter. Yes. Jane's still waiting for that. Yes. Yes. yes, yes, yes. All I, right. I, 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 I guess Lady can't speak for me. She, psychically, she knows that I'm ready, so I don't have to answer. But you know, <laughs> you're a woman, girl. Mm-hmm. And Julie, you're good. You good? I'm good. Thanks. I'll try to try to there. Awesome. All right. Girls are good. All right. So I am 28 and single. Oh, that's you are. Not, that's You're not 28 and single. I haven't been 28 for some. Time. <laughs> uh, I have been dating a guy on and off. That's also not me for almost five years. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Sorry, letter writer. I apologize. Uh, he's 25, broke, and not quite ready to settle down yet. Mm. We broke up for a while because he moved across the country to L.A. to pursue acting. He was gone for a year, and I began dating other people. 
One of those people was a guy I've been friends with for two years. He's 29, very successful, and completely in love with me. He wants to get married, have kids, and do all the things I want to do. He's easily the nicest guy in the world, and is crazy about me. Trouble is, I don't think I love the guy. I think I'm still harboring feelings for guy number one, and I cannot let go. Guy number one will make me wait at least five years, or so he says, before we can get married. If I stick with guy number two, he'll give me everything I've always wanted, except maybe the fantastic connection I experienced with other guys I was crazy about. I'm not crazy about number two. But keep telling myself that if I let go of guy number one and give guy number two a real chance, I can fall in love with him. What do I do? They're both kind of pressuring me to make a decision. Thank you. Barbara from Seattle. All right. So guy number one is somebody that she was involved with that she has feelings for that she can't let go of. True? I'm just trying to organize my thoughts here. Guy number one, she lo- she, she is crazy about this guy, went off to L.A. to pursue acting. He's been gone for a year, so she started dating other people when she met guy number two. And he's the one who... successful guy. He's the one who wants to give her the marriage and the dog in the backyard and the white picket. But she doesn't have a connection with him. And she didn't give the names. She didn't give names of anybody. All right. One guy, too. All right. Let me just... Well, the actor isn't settled because he's an actor. There's no telling he won't be famous in five years, but he might also be broke and not have a good job. The other guy's stable and predictable. Yeah, and the, and the actor's also three years younger than her, and not, I mean, he's only 25, so he may not be, even if he was uh, settled, for, you know, professional, he may not even be ready for a while. Well, it sounds like the 25-year-old is not done taking care of himself yet, where the other guy is ready, or at least established enough in his own life that he's ready to take on another person. So it really does seem like a waiting game, like you just said, Julie. It seems like the numbers are are really ruling this one. It's, I've heard this this problem a lot actually right, from right. from people who mm-hmm. I, I have one friend who uh, she had two guys just like this I mean exactly like this and one she called her soulmate and the other she called her goalmate. It's <laughs> mm. <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah, she ended up marrying her goalmate and she's really happy now. She right. has two kids with him, but you know you can't say that about everyone. If you don't have the feelings, you don't have the feelings. So I don't really you know she says she doesn't think she loves number two. Yeah, but the thing well, is, I know is, somebody that married the stable guy, and it didn't work out, and it turned out he was a liar, and she said, you know, if I was going to marry someone and have it not work out, it should have at least been the guy I loved. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, That's you brilliant. know, there's, there's two sides to look at this, because truly, you should go with your, your heart, you know, and, and, and not just go with somebody who can provide all the things for you that you think you want or need. But in this particular situation with Barbara, I'm feeling... She's just so focused on guy number one that she's really not giving guy number two a chance. It's kind of not fair to guy number two. When no, it that, isn't, so. but I kind of feel with guy number two, and I wish she had given names, which would help me zoom in a little bit better, but my gut feeling is this guy number two has a lot of potential, and I actually feel there's more chemistry and more potential for it to develop into something more than what she she mentions in her letter to us 
So my gut feeling is she's just not ready to really go down that road. She's dating on the rebound rather than really being ready to date. So therefore, I just don't feel she's ready. So I don't feel either of these guys are right for her. Barbara, that's, if you have their names, send the, if you're listening to us right now, yeah, yeah, email good. Lady Fontaine the names of these men. Good, and then we'll expand on this right now. But, you know, not that number one number one guy, you know. See, the thing of it is, just because you have a great connection, if the guy has other plans in his life and is moving in another direction right now, he and he's not ready to settle down, and I would never suggest to anybody to wait five years for anybody. I wouldn't wait a day for anybody. Um, then, you know, I, I you know, it, it becomes a, a choice for, for Barbara as far as what it is that, you know, she really wants to do here. But... I truly would say give number give guy number two a chance. I'm not saying run off and marry him, but you know if you can distance yourself, Barbara, from guy number one right now, and and just try to close that door and see really what the potential is with guy number two, you might be very pleasantly surprised. Well, just to interject, unfortunately, it seems like our guest has been detained uh, indefinitely. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. We've been emailing. He told me about 15 minutes ago to give him 15 minutes. Uh, I I don't know. It it seems like 15 minutes are just about up. He's a very busy person all day long. Besides uh, winning by uh, knocking people out, he's also (laughs) knocking people out in interviews. And, God, I don't know how he does it. Well, just just to give our our, our listeners at home uh, the heads up, uh, we if if he does call in, we'll 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 try to get him on the air. But uh, if it's too late, we'll we'll try for rescheduling. But until then, please remember our number is six four six three eight one four one four one. Call in and talk to Lady Fontaine and Doctor Jean Cirillo for uh, the double punch of advice that you're listening to right now. Now we've got a whole bunch of more letters here, though. We've got plenty to plenty to talk about here. How would you guys like another one? Sure. I would. Right. They're always so exciting. Yeah. Well, here's uh, you throw this next one on the grill. We'll see if it sizzles. I'm 32, single, female, no kids. Who met? Who met a wonderful man? Tom, 35, divorced, no kids, on the internet. We met in April, and broke up at the end of July. I broke up with Tom as he really cared. I'm sorry. I read that wrong. He rarely called, never made plans, etc. Everything else seemed to be a priority other than me. He told me when we first met that his work was his top priority. I really missed him once we split up, and I realized that rather than dump him, I should have just spoke to him and told him I wanted more time, attention, and affection. But I felt, since we were only seeing or dating each other for a couple of months, that maybe I was overreacting. He is a great man, kind, caring, and gentle, etc. So about a week after splitting up and after having days of this dread feeling, I meet Tom for lunch. I told him I missed him and that I wanted to reconcile. He was surprised. He had decided that at the point that we should just be friends. He said the breakup was a slap in the face, in quotes, she writes and that he needed time to think about this. Well, I waited about three weeks, occasionally called, etc. And finally, this last Wednesday, after a long discussion, he said he wanted to start seeing me again. He was very tense following this decision, and when I asked 
He told me firmly, let's take this one day at a time, that nothing is written in stone. He said that he could not forget that I dumped him. I was so happy thinking we were going to try again, then reality set in. I had gone online to see if he had taken his ad off personal sites, and he had put it back on over the last month while we had split up. I was under the impression that he would take it off, but to my shock, he still has it up and continues to go online several times a day. My friends are saying that it sounds like he's stringing me along, leading me on, until he meets someone else. I think he's just not sure about us, and maybe is proceeding cautiously. Instead of confronting him, I decided to just back off and see what he does next. What is your take on the situation? Should I confront him? That's Julie in California. No relation. This guy's not going to commit. It looks like he's picking at any excuse he can, like that he was punishing her for dumping him. A lot of times when you know you're wrong, you constantly point up what the other person did or didn't do. And, you know, I think he just wants to stay single and, and play around and avoid any commitment with anybody. Well, you know, um, I'm not so sure about that one. I'm seeing this a little bit different. First of all, I want to comment about his ad still being up on this personal site. Um, I'm not putting much credence into that be meaning anything. I'm just not feeling a even a association with the ad right now. So maybe it's up, but I don't feel he's actively recruiting, you know, right now for other women. Um, I do agree with – I very strongly felt that when she split off with him initially and he said that it was like a slap in the face, it really was. And I feel at that point he really didn't want to subject himself to any more because he didn't want to go through this rigamajig with her and, and risk, you know, having his heart broken again. See, I feel he really has feelings for her. I really, truly do. Um, I, I'm just a little bit – lost with with where things stand so he he i know he said that he wants to take things uh, uh, one day at a time and that he does that he's not making any promises to her but then she just went online and now she's to me it just feels she went online she saw he's got um you know his ad still up and she's not giving it any time to sort of evolve because my gut feeling is looking forward that this will evolve. It's going to re-evolve for them slowly, but it feels to me to be surely. It's kind of like he needs to sort of regain his footing with this and mm. see how it feels to him. Hey, guys, and, go ahead. I, I, I have something fun I would like to do right now. Uh, I'm going to make up a letter from from someone writing into the show, okay? You're going to make it up? I'm going to make it up right now. It's going to say, Dear Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo, my name is Tom. I'm 35, divorced, no kids on the no kids, and I met this girl. She was great on the internet back in uh, what was it, April? April. We dated. I told her about my really busy schedule, and we dated up until July when she completely out of the blue, without saying anything mm. other than she couldn't deal with what I told her months ago, broke up with me. I was shattered. I was absolutely destroyed. I went back online to try to pick up the pieces of what uh, of what had been a month long, which was probably a long relationship for me, considering I couldn't be able to hold down a relationship for so long due to such a busy schedule and people not being able to deal with it. I thought finally I found someone who could, and then she tore my heart out. No less than two weeks later, she comes back to me 
saying that she realizes that she lost a good thing. Now, this has been a blow to my ego, and I'm not sure I can get over this, but I still have feelings for this girl. However, I can't bring myself to take down this ad that I put back online. I'm not actively seeking people. I'm not going to singles bars, and I do care about her, but I can't get over the fact that she broke my heart and selfishly thought she was deserving of it two weeks later. Please help. Signed, what was his name, Tom? Tom. Yeah, Tom, you don't (laughs) know your name. It sounds different, you know, I mean, and I I apologize very much to to the writer. I didn't mean to make that any more necessarily caustic. However, you can see how when when, when you hear from the other side, it's an entirely different story. Right. And he's the wounded party. But you hear her write it, and she's the wounded party. Right, and that's... I was feeling what you what you just said, Frank, is exactly the perspective that I was picking up from the situation. Exactly. And that's truly why I feel that he, he can't make any promises at this point. He needs to take it one day at a time to see how he could see, how he feels about it and how she how you know, committed she is to making this work. The only question I have is that she did in the beginning of the letter say he never called or made plans. So how did they really even have a relationship? Yeah, well, that's a point, too. I didn't remember well, she hearing that part. Plans. Oh, okay. Oh, that was why she broke up with him. Well, I know a lot of people, a lot of men and women alike, who just have that personality where they're not the ones to call. And they could be absolutely in love with someone and married for 40 years. Yet they don't ever say I love you. They might grunt, and the woman or the man knows I love. That means I love you, and that's just the kind of personality that a person has. It's right. The same but, way we were talking. Go on. I was just going to say, but then that becomes a sort of like a personal preference if that's what you want in a relationship, and that was why she ended up breaking up with him. So that's what I kind of feel um, is is sort of like you know the the mismatch in this relationship and what they both sort of have to feel out is, you know, if they go back to their normal ways, is it going to be enough for her? And is she going to go breaking up with him again or walking away from it? Or are they going to be married? And is he going to be sitting there and she's going to be saying, you never show you love me, you never buy me flowers, you never want to go out, or you want to do his work? You know, I mean, that could happen too. It does happen. Right. And that most likely, if this proceeded to that, would happen because in that way, he's not filling the needs of what she needs. I mean, in that way, they're really not compatible. Well, I'll say something that Mama Todaro told me when I was a little kid, which is probably not really correct, but she'd always say never go backwards. And I don't know if this is necessarily advice for her or him or both of them, but how long do you really need to figure out that this guy is not right for you? Because if you already came to that conclusion once, that the way this guy operates under normal circumstances is not something you like, if you do it again, you, you might end up just hurting the dude again. So I, I think it's time to go back to basics. And he was right. The statement that she said he made, if we do this, we have to start over. You know, I mean, I remember saying those words myself to people. You know, absolutely. Once you break up, you can't pick up where you left off because you're picking up with the problems that you had, which made you break up. It's just, it's just the, the timeline. Think of Doc Brown and Martin McFly drawing on the blackboard. Their problems are still there because that's the point in time where you left them. You can't pick up. You have to go back. You have to go back to this time when you thought this relationship was worth saving. And unfortunately, if you go back too far, then you might as well just start over again with somebody else. 
Well, and that probably is the best advice for her because in many ways I don't know that they are fully compatible, but um, I do feel more the the fear in his energy rather than the lack of interest in his energy. In general, it sounds like there's sides of him that she doesn't know that well and might not like, but that he really can't or, or isn't going to change. Well, and that's the thing. People, you know, if if you're in a relationship and it's contingent upon making all these changes, then you, Dr. Cirillo, as a psychologist, how likely is that relationship going to be to work out? Probably very low. Very low, very, very, very low. So right. by starting over again, they'll have to start over, not as new people, but with new agreements what they're going to accept, what they're not going to accept. Right, and and how likely, if you know, if you make all these promises to your partner, how likely, if, if that's not your nature, how likely is it that anybody's going to be able to pull it off? Again, the, the likelihood is going to be very, very low. I mean, people could do it for a day or a week or maybe even three weeks, but, you know, I, the, the likelihood of somebody totally doing a 180 and suddenly calling and making plans when they don't do that, you know, it, to me that, that likelihood is going to be low. So this most likely is not the person for her, but he, he I feel he really, it, this really I feel was uh, like Frank gave in his version of the story, um, you know, a devastating blow to his ego. Well, both of you, we wish you nothing but the best. We we are here dissecting your issue and stuff, and for the only reason to to help it. So, Tom, uh, Julie, two of you, I hope you guys ultimately find happiness in whatever it is you decide. But to everybody else out there who's also looking for happiness, I'm, I assure you, you will be just ridiculously happy if you call six four six three eight one four one four one. Talk to Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo. They're here to help you. Give it a shot. Give us a call. Get their advice. Also, uh, don't forget to find myself selflessly, no, self-plug self shamelessly? Shamelessly, that's the word. <laughs> shamelessly self-plug myself and Lady Fontaine on August 20th, The Invisible World, the uh, paranormal radio show, which airs after this one goes live at the Tank, the 45th Street Theater, 45th Street in Manhattan, between 8th and 9th Avenue. We're going to have a whole bunch of former guests there. Tickets are $10, a whole lot of footage, EVPs, new, old, classic, and a whole lot more surprises. So go to thetanknyc.org for more details. So, ladies, we have another letter if you'd like to uh, check in on that. It doesn't look like our guest has called in at all. Apparently, he's been delayed. So, would you like to move along here? Yes, we would. Might as well. Julie? Oh, yes. Awesome. All right, here we go. I am in true love with a man who, who I have been living with for the past 16 months. Prior to that... We had a secret affair, quotations, for four and a half years. He is an auditory person. My boyfriend is very loving and supportive, and we have such great fun together. I divorced when we started the affair. He was stuck with a mean, cold woman who he 
owned a business with. While we were very happy to finally be together, he sometimes criticizes me and says mean things to me. Initially, I ignored this because I didn't really seem it didn't really seem to be directed at me. But now I call him on it and tell him to stop it. If he doesn't, I ignore him. Parentheses, don't reinforce negative behavior. Close parentheses. This isn't helping much. I think his excessive criticism is a method of controlling me. It wears on my self-confidence and makes me more submissive. I have started to stand up for myself more, but I don't want to be... Sorry about the language, bitching all the time. Do you have any ideas how I can end his mean verbal abuse? He's not abusive in any other way, and is a loving man. Thanks a lot, Bonnie from Vermont. Hmm. Well, she's got it. You know, the, the best way to do it, I've dated a lot of people that are like that because I have a sharp tongue, too. I'm thinking of that him and that mean, cold woman might have made a good pair. That's why they, they could come back at each other. This lady's <laughs> kind, and she takes it to heart. I've dated lawyers, yeah. which are the best people, because when one of us makes a, uh, a a cutting remark, the other one can come back sometimes with sarcasm and humor. That, that's the best way to do it, even if it hurts, you know, to kind of give them a feel of what, what they're putting out. And sometimes it works. Because sometimes you're carrying around a lot of anger, which this guy seems to be, Mm -hmm. and this is the way he expresses it, by letting it out on the person closest to him, whether it's her or anybody else. But, you know, if she doesn't like it, this this is the best way to deal with it. It's a character trait. It's not going to totally go away. Well, yeah, and that's what I was going to say, that, and I I do agree with you, Dr. Cirillo, that, you know, he has... Anger issues. I mean, he, he's got stuff going on inside of him, and he's not going to change. I mean, this, again, feels to me that it's just part of who he is. It doesn't mean that he can't be romantic and that he can't be loving and, and attentive towards her, but he certainly seems to be incapable of, you know, treating her with respect and, um, you know, cutting that sarcastic um, tongue from from really hurting her. I'm curious, and to me it feels like she sort of hides her um, her hurt from how he yeah. treats her, and I feel that's why he sort of continues to do it. I, I well, the other feel... woman came back at him, and, and this one doesn't. He's looking to pick a fight because he's angry, and he wants someone who comes back at him. And obviously this woman isn't it. I mean, she, no, she's it, not going to do it. I'm saying the only thing she can do is come back in a funny or a sarcastic way, and maybe that'll help her feel better so it won't hurt as much, and it'll help him see that uh, he's he's behaving inappropriately. But other than that, you know, I think that this is his way of dealing with his own self. People who who constantly criticize or say mean things to other people don't like themselves very much, and that's what's coming here. Yeah, I just want to. I was just going to add in that um, maybe something she should take into consideration is that maybe I don't know if she's met the other woman or not, but maybe she's not so cold. Maybe this is just his description of the other woman, and she's buying into it. So, just something to think about. Could have been. Anyway, I think our guest is waiting now. I got an email from him saying that he called in and he's waiting now. Is that true? 
Um, it just uh, checking the it situation. looks like our uh, our guest is with us. Oh, Ma Hello. Henry. Hello. Glad you could make it. You're you're quite the busy man. What were you running away from a pack of women? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I read the Facebook page. Yeah, man. I'm just I don't know. I've just been everywhere lately. Everybody wants to see me. Everybody's talking about me. It's been really crazy. Well, well we that's were a good thing. Um, on mailbag, yeah, but it sounds like they're, they're, be, they're behaving positively towards you, but you're a little overwhelmed. You're certainly over, overbooked. I don't know how you do it from early morning to late at night. Yeah, as you see, I'm very active. I don't know, maybe because I'm so young. I mean, I'm always like just everybody wants me to call in. Everybody wants me to be here, be there, all at one place. It's really crazy, but, you know, it's still a blessing, though. Yeah, well, that's it's true. a blessing that you came, that you uh, took the time out to uh, be with us. So I know last time we were kind of in the middle of the psychic predictions for your future. Do you have any questions, <laughs> Lady Fontaine, that occurred to you during the week? Um, well, I I do. Well, I wanted to talk about um, some of the things that I was picking up last week, and I have a bunch of questions too that I wanted to run by Omar, but. Let me let me say regarding relationships. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I I I definitely feel you're not having any trouble meeting women at this point. You know, I mean that's an obvious thing. I mean you must be <laughs> out of the woodwork. But I kind of feel your focus um, on. Although I'm not going to say that you're not enjoying, you know, the attention or you know various women here or there. But it honestly feels to me that right now you're a one-track man, that you're on track to get your career exactly where you want it to be. And I feel that that is truly your number one priority at this point. Is that true? Yes, it's very true. Uh, I was just talking to um, someone about that earlier. It's like, you know, it's, it's, you know, I have a lot of girls that want to be in my life right now and, you know, some special, whatever, anything like that. But it's just, you know, I'm really focused on boxing and, you know, it's, I mean, you know, it's a time and place for everything. You know, it's going to come eventually. But right now, this is my career. This is my life. And uh, this only comes once. Right, um, and I around, feel that so. in your energy. And I really, really feel that although it's tempting and you're looking and you may be enjoying here or there, I just don't feel that you're ready to really embark on that journey at this point. But I do want to say that I feel um, there's two female two females that I kind of see are either in your life or going to be in your life. One actually feels to me that she is in your life already, and it actually feels to me to be more somebody that you've known for a while, and it actually almost feels to me somebody that you grew up with that's sort of like in your life in some way, shape, or form. And I actually feel through the years of you sort of developing your your boxing career and, and you know, finding – you know, sort of prioritizing things and eventually finding room to have um, a relationship. I actually feel she's going to sort of be a forefront runner here. It kind of just feels to me that there's going to be, I don't know, sort of like a, a, a some, some, some like thread that's going to sort of, you know, hold you guys together in some way, shape, or form. So I definitely feel somebody from either your childhood or your past that almost feels like family to you is going to resurface not right now, but in the future when you're more ready to settle down. And I'm also feeling another female that feels to me that it's somebody, very high-profile high profile person, 
um, that is going to be playing an important role in your life, not now, feels to me, um, I would say, beginning in the latter part of 2011 and probably going for over a year. So even though you're, you're sort of avoiding women right now, I feel one is going to end up, you know, sort of entering into your, your space and feels to me that it's going to be a kind of exciting and, again, very high-profile kind of romance, um, but it doesn't feel to me that it's going to be one, the woman that you end up settling down with. Hmm, very interesting. Um, you know, we'll see what happens, you know. Uh like I said, you know, it's like a like a rat race, man. It's really crazy. I mean, I can't even explain how many messages I get and how many calls and different et cetera from everybody, just from everywhere and you know, of course, women included and it's I don't know. Like I said, I'm focused on my career. I'm not really like trying to right. settle down fully right now and you know, all that's gonna come in time. You're right, you're right, and, and you know, I hope that, you know, women at least sort of respect that because it kind of feels to me that you have a lot of people, a lot of females, um, really wanting a piece of you, you know, really wanting, really <laughs> sort of like fighting hard to be in your life. So, I, you know, whatever way that they're either communicating or, you know, kind of like, you know, putting themselves in your space, um, you know, I, I really feel for right now, it's not, you know, I just don't feel you being receptive towards it right now. So, you know, again, it doesn't mean that, you know, you can't develop friendships or enjoy all the attention because I certainly feel that you're, you're getting it and you're going to continue to get it. But, you know, I, I kind of feel real lasting romance and or marriage is quite a bit in your future. But it will happen. Yeah. Again, somebody from your past. Is there somebody, when I was saying that, were you... Did that ring true to you in any way, shape, or form? Is there somebody from either your childhood or from back home, is what my guys are actually saying, that um, just it feels very close to your heart? Um, I, I know one person that's definitely uh, back home, um, back in my hometown that, you know, that I'm really cool with, you know, but, you know, it's not nothing right now or anything like that. It's just friendship. Mm-hmm. And also I have a special um, friend right now in my life right now as well that's, um, it's not from my hometown, you know. I'm not saying any names or anything like that, but, you know, just right now, they they know right now that, you know, I have to be single because I have to focus on my career right now. Right, and so. you should because I really feel that is the most important thing for you right now, and I feel you're on track to really great things. So, um, you know, I just wanted to sort of throw throw it out as far as what I was picking up. But, you know, after we talked last week, um, I couldn't help but wondering, and I don't know if you said it, but how long have you been professionally boxing? Um, for about a year and a half. Oh, okay. Wow. So that you really are hitting such a good streak of both, you know, winning yeah. and also really catching the attention of so many people really, really early in your career. Yeah, we were just talking about that with um with a trainer earlier today. It's like you know, I've been pres- I've been professional for about a year, year and a half, whatever like that. And you know, I'm like I'm known all over the world, and everything I post or put in the internet is blown up. You know, they just made a I was just in the boxing headlines yesterday over something that happened. You know, it's just it's really different. I mean, when when I like I was saying before, when I talk, people listen. When I post something, people look at it. You know, it's it's always something. When I'm fighting, people watch. 
So, I mean, I'm in a blessed position right now this early in my career, which is almost unheard of for a guy that, you know, wasn't a huge amateur star and go to the Olympics or anything like that. But because of my fighting style and, um, you know, my personality outside, my personality outside the ring, um, it gets a lot of attention. And, um, you know, it's a blessing. Like yeah, I keep saying. Well, that's a blessing. It's also a huge responsibility for a young person. And that, that's like a whole separate career in itself to make sure that you make responsible decisions and that if people are going to listen to what you say, you make sure that you say what, what you want and, and what you feel you want to, is, is good to put out there. And, you know, that's hard, especially when you're a role model, I would imagine, to a lot of younger people also who, who want to be like you. Yeah, it's really crazy. I have a lot of eyes on me. A lot of people are watching me. And, you know, I try to be careful of what I do. You know, I never never do nothing too wild, anything crazy, anything like that, you know. Everything's always either boxing-related or, you know, something good is what's going on with my life, you know, but nothing nothing wild. So, you know, I haven't gone crazy, anything like that. It's just, but you're right, though. I'm very aware that, you know, I have, um, you know, probably millions of people watching me right now already. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's a, like you say, you can be a big challenge sometimes, but, uh, you know, so far I'm handling well. Yeah, you yeah. certainly are. And again, I mean, you're what, 23 years old? Yeah, 23. Wow. I mean, you're very mature and you have a really good head on your shoulders. You really do. Thank you so, so much. So, My mom um, taught me good. Yes, yeah, she obviously did. She really, really did. Um, good so, job. When, when, like, before you, before you have a fight, do you get nervous? No, before my fight, I get excited. I mean, it's like a different kind of feeling, man. I just get really excited because, you know, I get all my support from, you know, my friends and then online and stuff like that. And, you know, really my fans, they really pump me up a lot, you know, because, you know, most of my fights are knockouts and, you know, I'm very excited and stuff like that. So they pump me up. And, you know, I know from my hard work and training that, you know, I have nothing to worry about. And as you see, I'm victorious every time and always exciting. So, um you know, like I said, that's probably why I get the most attention because right now I'm considered the most exciting prospect in boxing today, period. You know what I mean? And, you know, when you're exciting and you have knockout power, that attracts fans and that attracts, you know, a lot of people. So, you know. Sure, and that's got to be really exciting for you to be in that position. Um, Omar, how do you actually prepare for a fight? Um, for training or... For actually a fight, if you're, you know, if you have a, a fight scheduled, you know, an official, a championship fight or whatever it is, you know, a boxing event, um, mm -hmm. do you, how, what's your typical day, like, before you actually step into the ring? Oh, the same day of the fight you're saying, basically? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, well, I just have a, a pre-fight meal, you know, I go eat a big breakfast, and then from there, um, just relax, lay down, probably go on my... Uh, you know, my sights a little bit and, you know, look at some fan support for me. And then I rest, take a nap, and then I eat, um, you know, kind of like brunch, you know, a little later on before the uh, before we have to go in for the arena to fight. And then from there I just uh, relax, relax, probably watch some boxing, a little boxing on YouTube, knockout highlights. I like looking at knockout highlights, you know, see how people in the past have done. And uh, take another little quick little nap, and then from there, go to the arena, put my iPod on, and, you know, stay focused. Wow. So when you say stay focused, do you, do you, and I think I asked you this last week, do you meditate? I mean, how do you keep your focus on boxing and not on all the women and all the distractions that you have around you? 
<laughs> um, I keep my focus by just uh just listen to my iPod and just focus everything I'm doing the train. I try to block everything out. I don't know, I just try to block everything out. Everything out. And just 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 relax. And um, you know, that's basically how I do it, just block everything out. It's all a mind game, you know. Boxing's it's a lot mental than what people think. You know, people think it's oh physical, big strong guy and you know, you gotta be no, it's a lot of mental a lot of mental work and through my amateur career, you know, you know, that was that taught me and that prepared me of being a professional. And you know, what they told you like with with dancers, I know I heard them once training a dancer and, and the the woman in charge said, When you come into the dance hall you leave your problems out there. So even if you have the physical talent, you you have to really exercise a lot of discipline, you know, if if you're upset about something or if you're excited, like Lady was saying about the woman that's uh that you met earlier, you can't let that distract you. And what we're really asking is, how do you do that? What's what's the secret? Because not everybody can do that, even if they were good athletically. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess I'm blessed that I can be able to do that. Um, I really don't even know. I just I just get into a whole different mind mind state, like in general, like okay, all that behind, you know, all the you know support, or women, whatever. Any of all that, all that distractions, that thing, I just, I don't know, I just block it out of my mind. I just stay focused. I don't know, it's just a gift from God, I guess. Well, it sounds like you have incredible willpower to just keep your focus on whatever it is that you want. I mean, Dr. Cirillo, what's involved with that? I mean, typically, if somebody's able to do that, just block everything out and keep their focus on what it is that they want. Well, first of all, there's a high level of motivation, which we're hearing here, that you don't let anything distract you because this is the most important thing in your life. But the other side of that is basically a stable, calm personality that you don't become excited and upset or afraid and distracted at at everything that's around you. But the other thing is it's almost like a second persona that I hear Omar referring to, that when he's about to go into the ring, you know, the ring man gets gets in there inside him, and he's Omar the boxer, and that's it. You know, there's right. nothing else. In, is that true? It's, it's, it's you and the opponent, and that's it. Yeah, that's that's completely right. I like I turn into a... A different person. A lot of people call me an animal inside the ring. You know, I turned into, you know, not the Omar outside the ring. You know, people because a lot of people it's funny. A lot of people are are scared to approach me. They're like, man, I, I, at first I didn't want to say anything to you because in the ring you just seem like just a fierce kind of animal. Like, you know, you keep going forward and you're just so mean. And it's like, you know, it's like two different personalities. You know, just like actors and they get on the screen, they playing a bad guy. That's not how they are outside the ring. So, you know, I have one personality inside the ring and one outside the ring. So And it know. doesn't spill over into each other. That's a sign of good mental health that one doesn't affect the other because a lot of times there are fighters that lead a very bad life outside of the ring. It's like somehow you can't turn off that, that violent side. Maybe I'm lucky. I never watched any, any of your matches, so I didn't see that animal, and I almost can't picture it because you seem to be such a good person and to have, you know, the future and, and, and other people's welfare and to feel lucky and to be spiritual, you know, and, and that's so different from what you normally picture with the boxer who can really get out there and knock them out with a punch. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm different. I'm breaking barriers when it comes to boxers in general. You know, taking the stereotype off of you know boxers. You know, like crazy, wow. You know, 
don't have any education or anything like that, I feel like I'm I'm going to change that for boxers, you know. I feel like I'm going to be an icon one day. Yeah, and well, obviously that's what I'm on my way of becoming because of how the support that has happened to me so far in my career. No other boxer has had this, you know, this early in their career. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really good. No, and it is, and we were talking about that last week, and I really feel you're going to be able to pull it off. You're really going to, like you said, be, be an icon and, and, and really be an example of something different than what the boxing world has seen, you know, as, as a typical. I'm sure there are other, there has to be, you know, other boxers that, you know, brought something different than what we typically think of when we think of a boxer. But you certainly, I mean, the your, your approach and, and, you know, just, Truly what I feel in your energy, you truly feel kind-hearted and you truly feel, um, you know, very, very devoted to your sport and also to the people around you. To the people that are important to you, it feels to me they are as important to you as boxing. Yes, you're correct, too. You're very right. Well, you were talking before about, you know, when you get into the ring and, and, and you know, you have before you get into the ring, you have the iPod on, you're focusing on, on, on the fight. When you actually get into the ring, I mean, what is your strategy? I mean, how are you, how are you able to knock out, you know, especially in the first, ri- first round, as many people as you do? Um, my strategy is um, basically to test my opponent's chin. I mean, because a lot of people are not used to someone coming out as aggressive as, aggressive as I come out, you know what I mean? I mean, it's just usually boxers, they, you know, just jab, jab, and just, you know, get warmed up, basically. You know, I'm already warmed up. I'm sweating and everything like that, so I'm already, you know, ready to get on you. So my mindset is to get right up on you, get right on you, just like a cheap suit, as they say. You know, just just hang on to you, just come right at you at the bell, because I know I'm in shape, and I feel like I have nothing to worry about. So it throws a lot of fighters off. So is that, like, something you developed on your own, that strategy? Yeah, I guess you can say that just from uh, training hard. And, uh, you know, um, it's funny because I don't spar like that. But, you know, I hit the bag real hard and, you know, just go at a fast pace and stuff like that. I mean, if I fight go even more and more rounds, stuff like that, I'll be able to pace myself a little more. But, um, you know, for my fights being scheduled, I feel like I'm in shape enough to do that, to go at a fast pace the whole fight. So, um, you know, I have boxing skills as well. It's not just me trying to knock everybody out, anything like that. I have a lot of great boxing skills. So, I mean, I can do it really all in the ring. It's just a matter of time of showing it to everybody. Mm. Um, I, I was thinking the same thing, though, that Dr. Cirillo had said a minute ago, is that we only know you from these conversations. Neither Gina or I follow boxing, so, you know, we've never seen you in the ring. But when is your next fight scheduled? Do you have something scheduled? Yeah, it's kind of scheduled. We um talk about it right now. Um, it's supposed to be September the 11th, coincidentally. Um, actually here in Vegas on HBO. Oh wow! So we're gonna have to watch that. Um, yeah. What day, what day of the week is that falling on? Do you know? Probably on a Saturday. Oh okay. Well, that'll be interesting to see because again, we we know this, you know, very soft spoken and intelligent <laughs> version of Omar, and I guess we have to sort of prepare ourselves for something different. Yeah, go to YouTube first to get yourself, you know, warmed up, you know. We got a lot of YouTube highlights and everything. Okay. <laughs> a lot of highlights on YouTube. You know, I already got like, you know, like I say, knockout highlights and everything that's made for me already, you know, with ten fights. A lot of fighters don't ever have that, you know, coming up in the beginning and I have that already, so Wow. So so who who selects your opponents? Who's my next opponent? Who selects them? Who selects? 
Oh, who selects them? Um, my matchmaker. Um, it depends on uh, my company. They select my opponents, and also, you know, my trainer. He approves of who my opponent is, you know, etc. You know, that's how it works. So, do you have any say in that? Yeah, I can say I really don't want to take the fight or something like that. But um, you know, I know that they've been doing their job for years, and I know they wouldn't ever you know overmatch me or anything like that so pretty much everybody ever said i was like okay cool you know i'll fight anybody because i'm on my way i feel like i'm a force um that's going to be unstoppable to become a world champion and i feel like anybody in my way is just you know they're just in the way and they're going to get um tore down so um outside of boxing i mean do you have any spare time I mean, I know, that you're, I know that you're so busy doing interviews and, and everything else, but, I mean, what do you do to unwind? What do you do to just have a Omar day? Uh, it just it just depends. It just depends on the day. It all depends on the day. I mean, I might go to the movies, you know. I might go um, to, you know, one of my special friends' house, you know, something like that, and just relax, Um, you know. Watch cable. I try to be normal. <laughs> and that's, normal that's, that's pretty hard to do. I mean, are you getting recognized everywhere you go these days? Yeah, it's been really crazy. It's funny. When I went to, um, like I said, when I went to the LAX airport, when I went to Hollywood not too long ago, I mean, people were saying, oh, you're Omar Henry, right? You're that boxer. You know, I'm like, what the heck? You know, it's really crazy. I'm getting recognized. And then when I went to the movies one time with one of my friends, the the tickets, I was like, you're that fighter, right? You're that guy. You know, they they they, they trying to put it together. Like, my face looks very familiar, but sometimes the name doesn't come out. Some do know the name, but just the face recognition, yeah. So, yeah, it's been getting really different. It's getting grown even more and more. I'm out here in Vegas right now, and, you know, I was at the um, down the strip, and I got approached by a lot of people, and I was like, wow, this is really, really crazy, really different. Well, so That's how are you? Incredible, right it in is. Street, even if they don't know your name, your first name, you figure they might get some sense as to who you are. But uh, your appearance is that uh, different that they pick up on it right away. Yeah, they know I'm something special, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, how are you dealing with all this sudden fame? I'm just dealing one day at a time. <laughs> just one day at a time, man. I mean, you know, I was just talking not too long ago, too, about that. Like, when one of my best friends, like, it's, it's amazing how somebody can go just from playing Joe Blow to, you know, everybody knowing who you are and, you know, everybody's trying to have an opinion in your life. I'm like, what the heck? I don't even know you. Who are you? Like, you know, it's a song, one of these, uh, a song that says, like, I know way too many people here last year. I know way too many people here that I didn't know last year. You know, who are y'all? You know, it's really different. Like, man, like, how do I get all these people in my life? Like, you know, it's like, I don't know. Do you ever have any trouble with any of the men or women? You know, like there was somebody who looked like a fighter that he wasn't, but he said people used to walk up to him and start trying to punch him and, and test him. And, you know, do you <laughs> get any, anything weird like that? No, just so far, just, um, you know, I got some haters. That's about it. That's the only big difference. I'm not used to um, having people have jealous of me because I wasn't, you know, I didn't have nothing too much to be jealous of. But now it's just different about me having a lot of people that's jealous of me and saying negative things to me. That's the only thing that I had to get used to, you know, being in there. You know, there's a lot of criticism. Huh? People who came up the ranks with you and suddenly you sped past them. 
that's that would tend to be where where you would get most of the criticism or sarcasm or uh, yeah. I would think that it's not strangers. It's people who knew you and now see the sudden uh, difference you've made, and they're comparing themselves and saying, "Hey, how come I'm still down where I was?" and and Omar has, has done so much in a year or so. Yeah, that too. But also, there's a lot of strangers, like boxing fans. That's um, that um, actually, it's like it's like this. It's either boxers they're gonna really love you or they're gonna hate you. You know, that's how it is. Kind of my um, polarized kind of boxing. So I really got that image, and I was like, it's either they're gonna they like love me or they hate me. You know, but either way, they they're gonna they're gonna talk about me. They're gonna listen. Or they're gonna talk. They're gonna read about me, anything, you know. So it's kind of different. Like I said, it is some people from the past as well that you know that I knew before I made it. But there's also a lot of people that just got here and think they can say anything they want and think they can judge me from what I do outside the ring, you know. Well, a lot of people think, you know, it's crazy. Suddenly, that goes with the territory that anybody can touch you, anybody can come up to you and and interrupt what you're doing. It's almost like as as if you have less than the average person as far as privacy. Certainly, it's they act like they owe you a little bit, so you're getting some of that. Yeah, definitely. It's like, how do you think you? I'm like, you just came into my life. How do you feel like you have an opinion to tell me what to do? What shouldn't I do? It's like you don't even know me. You really don't even know who I am. You just see what but you they see. They know you. They know you to some degree. They know at least what they see in, in the ring and what they what they hear, you know, outside of the ring. So they know two sides of you that are very different. You don't know anything about them, and that's that's what I think would be scary a little bit, even if you can yeah. certainly defend yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know how people are. People are quick to judge, you know what I mean? Instead of looking at their life and what's going on, they'll judge somebody else's life, especially if you're, you know, high profile, just like a lot of people judge my friend Lindsay. You know what I mean? People yeah. just, they just say anything, but see, some people have the same kind of problem. You know what I mean? People oh, they just kind of person, but they're going through the same thing. But they think because the person is a celebrity, they're allowed and just to say anything. And like someone else doesn't have, you know, feelings or anything like that. I mean, celebrities, they read this stuff too and stuff like that. And, you know, you got to have a tough skin being in this. You know, I'm glad I have tough skin and none of that stuff gets to me, really. But um, that's the only thing people... And when they see that kind of stuff, they think they can judge somebody because people really don't know their life. But, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, no, fortunately you have had a lot of support from an early time on. I would think some people, celebrities or not, carry a lot of bitterness for things that they suffered. And then when they finally make it and somebody comes up and shows negativity and jealousy and hatred, uh, that's hard to take. Well, yeah. that's part of fame, though. That really is part of fame. You know, unfortunately, yeah. everybody can't like you, no matter what what kind of... Yeah, no matter what you do. Person, right. You know, I mean, there's always going to be people who have something to say or, or choose to be jealous or see it from a negative perspective. I mean, there's no way to control that. But, you know, you have enough people out there, obviously, Omar, that are on your side, that are plugging for you, that are saying the right things about you, because it seems like, you know, every day now... You know, I'm hearing your name coming up somewhere. So we definitely wish you a lot of luck, and you know, we yeah. we hope to, to hear about the continued successes that you have. And certainly, we'll be tuning in on September 11th to see your fight. Okay, thank you so much. And um, you know, I keep you updated because sometimes the dates change because uh, you know, either I don't have an opponent or anything like that. They back out the last minute. So definitely keep you updated if it's not September 11th. All right, that would be great, and thank you so much for being here with us tonight. No problem, and I want to thank all my supporters from my Facebook, MySpace, and Twitter, 
and everybody that's been supporting me all around the world. Thank you so much, and I will continue to win impressively. Thank you. Take care, Omar. Good luck to you. Don't forget to visit Lady Fontaine's website at ladyfontaine.com to learn more about her or to schedule a private reading or life coaching session. Lady Fontaine is an internationally known psychic and life coach. You can also follow Lady Fontaine on Twitter, Facebook, and NING for her latest announcements. Also, please take a moment to make Eye on the Future a favorite here on Blog Talk Radio and send us a friend request to get special offers from Lady Fontaine. Please visit our show page on Blog Talk Radio for details on all of our co-hosts along with their contact information. Be sure to send your questions to mailbag at ladyfontaine.com to have your questions answered live on the air by Lady Fontaine and Dr. Cirillo. Well, we had some great mailbag questions tonight. Thank you, everyone, for writing in. And remember to keep writing in to Lady Fontaine and Dr. Jean Cirillo. And also, of course, thank you to our guest, Omar Henry. Be sure to tune in next week for more of Lady Fontaine and Dr. Jean Cirillo taking your calls live here on the air. Don't miss it. Well, Omar was certainly inspiring. And uh, I thought it was fun answering all those mailbag questions today. We got some insight from Frank as well. And uh, both of you gave some great advice, and hopefully we'll hear back from them to find out, you know, how it all turns out. Mm. No, I I think the questions were absolutely great. And I just want to remind the listeners next week we're back to our normal uh, format with Dr. Jean Cirillo and myself taking calls. Um, And I, you know, again, I want to thank all our listeners and callers for inviting us into your homes tonight. We love hearing from you, and it's our pleasure to help guide you along life's journey. Thank you also to my co-hosts, Dr. Jean Cirillo, Frank Todaro, and Julie Zellman. Special thanks to Rachel Look, who did a great job screening calls and helping us with the switchboard. Thank you. Many blessings to each of you, and I am in gratitude to all of you. Have a wonderful week, and remember to honor yourself, and you'll automatically draw in countless experiences that honor you. Paranormal enthusiasts, remember to tune in to Frank Todaro's The Invisible World. Either call 718-508-9285 or check out the show page here on Blog Talk Radio for The Invisible World. And don't forget to, to check out the tank, um, the tank uh, Frank Tadero and I will be live at, in New York City at the Tank Theater on Friday, August 20th. So we'll be looking forward to seeing you there. Um, Good night, everyone. Hope to see you back here next week. And remember, next week it's back to Dr. Jean Cirillo and I taking your calls. And remember, in the meantime, reclaim you. We're always here to honor and support you and provide you with the guidance you need to aspire to all your dreams. Good night, all. Have a wonderful week. Take care. Bye.